from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report on Radio Andy, where we count down the top 10 things that made us go wow. Uh, I'm Fenner Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. Hello. And, of course, James St. James, the editor of The Wow Report. I'm here. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Hello. Hello. And this is our last show before the election. So I just want to remind everybody to vote. I can't sleep. I'm a nervous wreck. How are you guys doing? I, I voted yesterday, and I got my housekeeper of 30 years, my, the, my long-term relationship, Teresa, to vote for the very first time. So that was an exciting day in the Campbell household. That's very nice. I uh, Where did you vote? Because I drove by Wiltern. I was going to go to Wiltern, and then I was going to do Oxford. And Wiltern had um, a lot of people early in the morning, but then in the afternoon, it was completely empty. So where did you go? I filled out the ballot at the dining room table with Teresa. Her oh, okay. In English, and then we uh, deliver them together to the drop box at West Hollywood, uh, West Hollywood City Hall. I, I do think I'm going to do it in person later today or tomorrow. I think that I, I want the I like the experience of going into a booth. I enjoy that. I, I want to hear all about it when you do. Um, I cast my vote remotely. I mean, I filled it out and dropped it in the box, hopefully one of the official boxes versus yeah. one of the big boxes before leaving for uh, London where I'm in lockdown. So... Well, America might not be here next week, so uh, you might be the only surviving member of, of our trio. <laughs> All right. Well, let's ke- while the going is good, let's count down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. 10, Tom. Number 10. I think, you know, I'm holding up pretty well, I like to think, during the pandemic, but I think it's getting to me, and I'm getting crankier and crankier. And I, I am, you know, going through my social media way too much, and I'm just judging, judging, judging. And this was this this headline popped into my head, and I have to share it with you guys. But watching celebrities lavishly celebrate their birthdays during a global pandemic is not a good look. Now, and I'm talking about Kim Kardashian, the most famous. She just turned forty. She supposedly, all her friends quarantined like Fenton is now, I doubt it, um, and went to an island where there's all these pictures of them just having fun. Someone pointed out that everyone had a manicure, pedicure, so it's like there's no way that, that, you know, someone professional did everything on them. So I guess they could have quarantined the whole beauty world as well. And I'm not a Kardashian hater, as you know. I'm a Kardashian supporter, but at this moment in time, I get that 40's a big year, I, uh, this is another cranky topic, but at some point, maybe after 30, your birthday's not that important. It's nice. It should be recognized, but it's not, it's my birthday. It's my special day. I will, I am, because even people online, this is cranky Tom, crazy cranky Tom. Even people online are like, you see them at their own birthday, just regular people like cheek to cheek. And it's like, yeah, to celebrate my birthday. It's like the pandemic does not take a day off, bitch. Social distance. And I'll even say, and I don't want to say the name, but I think I'm going to. I think I'm out of control. I think this might be my last show. That um, 
even someone as innocuous and lovely who I support, but Jesse Tyler Ferguson, there's pictures of him in Malibu. It's his birthday. They have the new baby and they have sushi chefs and, and, and celebrity guests and I'll stop talking. Someone stop me before I, I cancel. No, no, no. I want to say that I'm loving Cranky Tom. I want more of Cranky Tom on the Wild Report. I think we need to get you on the actual Wild Report so you can vent a little bit because I think this is a whole new era for you baby it I'm is loving it keep going is what I say what do you think Fenton have you noticed any of this I am well I saw your Facebook post and I was like who could it be who's celebrating their birthday so I didn't know at first and I'm very surprised you've turned on the Kardashian empire Kardashian star and it's like um I'm not judging you I completely agree it does seem a little Mary Antoinette-ish at these times. Yes. Here's the thing. I don't even mind rich people acting rich and doing rich things. Okay? I don't have a problem with that. But I I think there's a way to do it where you aren't shoving it in our faces, especially during a pandemic. If she had done it and not posted any pictures and we didn't know about it, I probably wouldn't be mad. I probably would think it was, you know, I mean, it's not okay and it's not okay to do, but but it's not as in your face obnoxious is what do, it's a whole new you know it's interesting what will survive and listen we're we, we're consumers we all in our own levels appreciate status so it's not like we're free you know it's, they're bad and we're good but there's something very unsettling and very tone deaf yes in a way. Is exactly it. read the room miss kardashian <laughs> and it's a different time it used to be like look at and the kardashians are such a great um, barometer, right, of what's going on in pop culture, which is why I love them, kind of. And it used to be like, more, more, more. We've got, we're driving this, we're doing that. And now it's like, no, some people are literally in line getting food. And I hate to use those wide comparisons, but it's a tough time for a lot of people. You know, we were all around during the conspicuous consumption of the 80s, and we all enjoyed that. And so we understand that, that it can be fun, but right now is not that time. All right, let's change the subject. Let's move on to number nine. Number nine. Well, no, we aren't going to change the subject because I'm doing Kim Kardashian part two here. And I want to say that I'm really upset with her and I'm upset with Tom. I'm ruining my number nine. My number nine, I was planning on talking about the David Letterman, my next guest needs no introduction, the episode with Kim Kardashian. And I went into it, you know, as I always do, a little bit, you know, harumph, and I wasn't ready to enjoy it. And yet I thought that she came off really well. And she this was great, a contrarian point of view. Well, but here's the thing, because she was very articulate. She was well, I mean, she she was um intelligent, she was sympathetic, she was uh um she talked about you know becoming a, a lawyer and uh taking the bar and the influence of her father. She talked about being a mother, she just talked about all the right things, she hit all the right notes. There was a point where she talked about the robbery in Paris a few years ago when she was kidnapped and almost killed and her jewelry was stolen and she was sobbing and everyone in the audience was sobbing. David Letterman was almost sobbing. She was really playing it like a fiddle and I was really impressed with her and I kept thinking this is a new era for Kim. God bless her. She's managed to overcome the old Kim Kardashian tropes of, of everything and now she's moving into a new bubble. Yes. 
I, I take no offense to any of that. I do not hate the Kardashians. I no. There's a reason they've lasted so long. Kim particularly, they all have in their own way. But the master of self-reinvention. They all met, they're yeah. all doing it. But and, putting yourself in the public as they do, for better or worse, so publicly, they have she's survived humiliations, crimes, yeah. you know, all in the public eye. That wedding that went wrong could happen to anybody. She talks but, about the wedding, she talks about the, the the porn thing, she talks about Paris, she talks about all of that, and she does the she she comes off beautifully. And I'm angry with her for having this great opportunity to reinvent herself and do such a great job and then backslide so quickly the next week. You know, it's it, that's what it makes me mad at her for squandering this chance that she had with David Letterman and David Letterman, who, you know, is famously cranky and can turn on a guest and, and be very vicious. He was in love with her. He as he sometimes is with the women, but he really walked away being saying, I'm very impressed with you. And I, and I really hope you all the best for you. And I really am rooting for you. Blah, blah, blah. And then the next week she goes and ruins it. So I, I don't know. But here's my question. Like, does anyone really care? I mean, like you talk about like accumulating virtuous virtuosity capital, like, like a new image and, but actually isn't inconsistency what people really seem to respond to and crave? It doesn't matter. You can say the right thing one moment, the wrong thing the next. It's just about well, continually way of putting yourself in the press over and over again if every week you, you, you change yeah. your positions and become a yeah. new person. Sounds like President Trump, but we won't get into that. Well, not really, because the new season of David Letterman's My Next Guest, needs no introduction, is streaming now on Netflix. And I'm just going to switch up the order because you, you both have inspired me to talk about at number t- eight. Thank you. Number eight. Feels Good Man. That is the name of a documentary I watched this week on, uh, <laughs> I know it sounds bizarre, PBS of all things. Um, uh, it's a documentary about Pepe the Frog. And the Kim Kardashian connection is that she tweeted pictures of Pepe the Frog. Now, I didn't really understand the Pepe the Frog thing, but basically, long story short, to get to, to give you the end first, Pepe the Frog became known as a symbol of white supremacy and extraordinary racism. But he didn't begin like that. This lovely, sweet guy called Matt Fury uh, had a little comic he did called Boys Club, and he created Pepe the Frog, and it was this sort of loserish, kind of cute character. And Feels Good Man, which was the first thing that went viral, the first thing, was inspired because his cousin David went to the bathroom one day and pulled down his trousers and his pants to pee. And when Matt said, why do you do that? He just said, it feels good, man. And so this picture of Pepe the Frog peeing went viral. And that's why it's called Pepe the Frog. Pee pee, Pepe, get it? Wow. Ha! So that's like the first thing. But then it becomes popular on this thing called 4chan. Again, something I hardly know anything about. Yeah, but yeah. The old 4chan, maybe. I that, know. How long have I got? But that makes, became, 4chan makes Reddit look like uh, uh, delisted. Right. So you became the go-to symbol of people who call themselves NEAT, which stands for no, not in education, employment, or training. Like losers who live in their parents' basements. And then 
girls started to get in on the peppy craze and the neat people, the boys hated that. They didn't want nice girls thinking Peppy the Frog is cute. So they made Peppy the Frog really gross and do and say really gross things. And that's how Peppy the Frog became the symbol of hatred. Well, in fact, the next thing that happened, and this is amazing too to me, is along comes Donald Trump, who's like, as, as one of Trump's campaigners says in this documentary, is a real life Pepe the Frog. He's able to get extreme reactions from people by saying ridiculous, rude, nasty, obnoxious things. And that's what these 4chan needos had made Pepe the Frog become. And so then, and then it gets even more, then Hillary denounces Pepe the Frog. The ADL puts Pepe the Frog as a hate symbol on their um, website. And suddenly you're making fun of Hillary because she's frightened of a cartoon, right? She's attacking a cartoon. And it's just this sort of brilliantly complex thing about how you can create something like Matt Fury and completely lose control of it. And someone says at one point, you know, what is more worthless than a cartoon? What is more powerful than Mickey Mouse? And it's this the way Pepper the Frog has become this rallying cry for white supremacy. It's just I can't recommend this film enough. It's really worth watching. What's the name again? The name of it is Feels Good Man. And it's um, a PBS documentary. It was at Sundance Film Festival, and it's uh, airing on Independent Lens, PBS. Fascinating. Really? I mean, are you aware of Pepe the Frog, James? Yes, yes. I mean, I, um, I, I have a Pepe the Frog uh, stuffed pillow in my apartment that I cuddle with every night. No! No, I'm kidding. Oh, my God. You bought it. You thought I did? You hateful people. I don't really like Green Frog. I mean, he doesn't do it for me in any... Like, I prefer Mickey Mouse. But it's, it's, it's also interesting how, like, the, the, because Matt Fury is such a nice guy, he just failed to take control of his creation. And he failed. He just let it drift. And, and then eventually some asshole created a book that was a sort of Islamophobic kids book and he finally decided he had to do something and sue them and blah 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 um, it's really great I will just say before we take a break today is the last day to enter our wow presents plus merch bundle giveaway which is a bundle of over 10 things $200 in retail value Woo! enter available now on the wow presents plus uh, Instagram at wow presents plus all right. Should we take a break? Yes. Blake, have you got a question? I do have a question. You know, the uh, phobias, they all have weird names. What is Samhainophobia? Stubhane? Samhainophobia. Oh, oh, Samhainophobia. Oh, okay. Um, That's uh, S-A-M-H. N-A-I-N-O-phobia. Samnanophobia. Okay, okay. Must be someone called Sam. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll reveal the answer and carry on with this countdown of the top 10 things that made us go wow here on the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back. Uh, You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James St. James and Blake, you had a question for us. Yes, I asked, what is Samhainophobia? I'm going to say the fear of Sammy Hagar. (laughs) 
Ooh, that was going to be my answer. But now I'm going to come up with another one. I think it's the fear of undercooked pasta. Oh, okay. I think it's the fear of green frogs. It's the fear of Halloween. Oh! Uh, Who knew? It's a good one. Is it Halloween today? Saturday. Saturday. It's not good. I mean, you know, what kind of Halloween is it going to be? It's Halloween in real life. Well, you know, um, the the big thing here in Los Angeles, and I think elsewhere, is the um, candy shoots that everybody is making. Have you heard of this? Is you make like a giant ski slalom going out of the second story window of your house, and like, and then you sh- you put you have the candy slide down into the people's bags. That's how people are going trick or treating. Well, infected bags of candy to travel faster to the children of the neighborhood. There you go. I mean, if you sneeze over the candy first, I don't see how it's COVID safe, right? I'm yeah. All right. Well, let's carry on with the countdown. Number seven. Number seven. What do Judy Garland? Yes. Um, Lenny Bruce. Okay. Don Simpson. Oh, okay. Elvis Presley hmm. and Tom Campbell all have in common. Are you Ooh. all? They all died on a toilet. Well, yes, and I, I, I'm, I'm opening up like I never have before here on the Wow Report this week. Wait, you, you've had, you've had a near-death experience on a toilet. I'd like to say I almost died in the toilet this week. What? Yes. What happened? Tell us. I we're dying to hear. I this is the, it's a there's an underlying mental condition which I will share. I, I'm, I'm going to write a book about it because no one should have to live in shame. But I have a, a case of di. Diverticulitis. Yeah, diverticulitis. One of the reasons it's not, you know, horrible. It doesn't have to be horrible. But when they did my colonoscopy, which we all do after a certain age, they said there's a few little pockets of weakness that could potentially gather food and infection, and it's very painful. So I've had it. This is I've had one, which is really painful. This the the uh, the immediate, uh, and it can lead to surgery and stuff, God forbid. But it's like they just give you a really powerful antibiotic. So I had one that was painful, one that wasn't. I caught early, and then this week I had it. I could feel it again, and I called my doctor. What happens during this? What, what is it? Painful poo? What is it? Sharp pain in my lower left abdomen, mm-hmm. and I just am familiar with it, unfortunately. And it's I fun. thought it was. I thought it was when you people with diverticulosis, whatever. Like um, you had sudden bouts of where you have to poop immediately, and no matter where you are, it's like if you don't get to a, a bathroom immediately, you're. That has, not been my, that has not been my case. I've been very regular, but I have this pain. And you're not, you're, one of the ways to combat it when you're healthy is to eat lots of fiber. One thing you're not supposed to do when, you, when you're actually experiencing the infection is eat a lot of fiber. And boy, did I have a lot of broccoli the other night. So I, in the middle of the night, I thought I need to, you know, use the facilities. I did. I came back. I said, I need to use them again. I sat down. And I had this moment, this is all too this is real, but this, this is be big, where I, it's not, you know, when you sometimes back in the day we drank and things, you're like, am I going to throw up or am I going to poop? You have that kind of like, I don't know where to put the thing. And I was like, I'm going to faint. And I said, and, and I know not to die on the toilet. Like Judy, they all had drug addicts. I went, I'm not a drug addict. So I threw myself on the floor 
And then you have this cold, clammy sweat, which I have to believe is your body kind of cooling down your your your, your body temperature. Your organs failing is what it is. Oh. So I'm on the carpet with my upper body, but I'm sure to keep my lower body on the linoleum just in case. Who knows what's going to happen next? I'm still doing a little bit of housekeeping while this is happening. And your poor housekeeper, there was a cleanup later. There was a cleanup later. And um, I didn't pass out per se. I was kind of in a, I was just on the floor somehow, the magical healing power of the floor. I don't think I've looked it up since you're supposed to do that. And outdoor kitty cat came to me and sat with me as I was like a corpse on the floor, wondering, do I call someone? Do I want to go up? And then all night long was a little bit uh, uncomfortable, but I got to bed. And um, the next day I thought like all night, I was like, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. I'm dying. And I woke up and I felt fine. And I see the doctor again today. So I know it's a ridiculous story, but it's like, it's that weirdness of like being alone, you, you know, how fast it can all change. And um, I don't know, it's just, and, 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 and the miraculous, I don't know. I still uh, am amazed by what the body does to keep itself going. What incredible presence of mind you had as you sensed you were fainting to throw yourself on the floor. It's so brilliant. And I totally know that sensation about puke or, or poop. And in fact, I, I once had food poisoning where it was it was a both ends at once yeah. situation, and I just remember cupping my hands as you know. But but this is uh, I hope you're okay, and and so you you're taking some medicine, right? Some antibiotics. Very powerful antibiotics that you should save for something else. But this is a good time, and uh, and I'm seeing my doctor again, and I feel I feel much better. But it's also like a vasovagal response where it's like you're it's a a nerve in your neck and your blood pressure drops. And sometimes people can get it from um, the sight of blood or something that really frightens them. But this was more physically uh, 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 caused. So uh, I I did not, spoiler alert, long story short, I did not die on the toilet this week. (laughs) And may you never. God bless. Or is this just a, a preview of what's to come? You might want to play this tape back on my memorial episode. I think so. How did Tom pass away? Let's hear it from Tom himself. Pass away. Pass. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) James, number six. Number six. Uh, I watched um, a movie called Love and Monsters over the weekend, which is actually playing at movie theaters. Um, and not doing too well, I might say, because nobody's going to movie theaters. But it's also streaming everywhere. It stars Dylan O'Brien, who has always been a favorite of mine. Dylan O'Brien was a YouTube star when he was 13 years old. And he was a big, huge viral sensation. And uh, everyone said he was like the next Justin Bieber. He was the next you know, big superstar. And his mother happened to be a casting director, and she cast him in Teen Wolf, which you think, like, that would be nepotism and everyone would hate him and everyone would hate her, but it actually, he ended up being the breakout star of Teen Wolf, and he was adorable and funny and really brilliant, really, really brilliant. And from there, he got a movie franchise, The Maze Runner, which was supposed to be the next Hunger Games. And it was supposed to take over, and it did not, and it flopped. And he ended up being sort of a nobody in Hollywood again. And this is his big comeback. 
And this is, it's um, once again, it's sort of a dystopian future where monsters have taken over. There's been um, a, a comet lands on the earth and it, uh, the radiation changes all the animals into giant super slugs and giant, you know, this and that. And so all the humans now live in underground bunkers. And he is, uh, he's in an underground bunker with a, with a bunch of people, and he's talking on a ham radio to someone who's ten, a girl ten miles away, and he decides to go above ground and go and you know face the monsters and go and try and get to this other underground bunker, and that's sort of the whole setup. And he runs into monsters and he runs into other humans on the on the surface, and he finally gets to the girl, and everything is not as we think it is, and blah blah blah. But it's I wanted to hate it. I went into it being like I was cranky and I wasn't in a good mood and I fought it and I kept thinking this is like zombie land. It's like every other, you know, apocalyptic movie, but it really goes in a bunch of different directions and he is a star. There's no getting around it. He is really, really adorable and funny and he can carry a movie like nobody else. And so I do give this two thumbs up and I recommend everybody give it a chance. How do you watch it? Um, I stream actually. I paid nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents to watch it. That's why you're grumpy going in. That is why, because I was like, "My God, if I'm spending nineteen dollars, this had better be the most original, best goddamn movie I've ever seen." And it takes a while for for it to wind up, but um, but I, I mean, that is the way. I mean, we are going to start paying nineteen dollars to watch a movie at home now, and it's, it's the only thing I miss about a theater experience personally is. I just, I'm so easily distracted. And when I would go to the theater, at least I would just surrender to the situation and I'm going to watch and take in this film. And if I'm at home and something doesn't kick off, there's a large chance that I'm going to go do something else. Or or I'm going to start and I'm going to stop and I'm going to stop and I'm going to look at my Twitter and I'm going to do this. It is, there's a whole thing when it's the theater is right there. And a lot of times that's not fair because sometimes stories need a moment to percolate, you know, they don't, yeah, they don't, this they don't one need a good 20 minutes before you, you, before you surrender. Yep. All righty. What is it called? James love and monsters. Love and monsters. That's a good title. I guess it is. Right. It's a very good title. Very Halloween. Mm. At number five, number five, I saw, it's all documentaries for me now. Just documentaries, documentaries. And I suppose they're inspired by Pepe the Frog, you know, the power of a single image. I watched this documentary about Keith Haring. It's called Street Art Boy. And it's actually, it is, it's coming to PBS. It's going to be a, an American Masters on PBS. But being here in the UK, I was able to watch the BBC version, which is longer, unexpurgated, full of gay sex. And um, really pretty great. It's well, really now, wait a minute, But before we start, tell me, is there anything you didn't know about Keith? I mean, because I've, I've seen a number of things and we knew Keith and everything. What, what do they have that, that's new? Well, that I'm not entirely sure of. But I think it's fascinating that he knew from very early on. He wrote when he was something like six years old. He said, when I grow up, I'd like to be an artist in France and I will make money from the pictures I sell, which is a, a really clear vision. Um, manifesting, yes. Yes, right? And then, uh, James, it was just lovely because it, it's got Anne Magnuson, Kenny Scharf, um, Tony Schifrazzi. It's got, everybody's in it. 
And it's just a great story to tell because was, you know, there, was there a Patty Astor? Is Patty Astor still around? I can't remember. He is not in it, but it's this. It's I mean, in some respects, James, it's a normal story. You know, comes to New York, has no money, spends his first night in the uh, YMCA, which is, by the way, what I did when I came to New York too. It's what Stephen Sabin did when he came to New York too. Right there, you go. It's a rite of passage. Uh, he went to School of Visual Arts and. His breakthrough moment was when he saw these black, uh, blank, black posters on the New York subway. Mm-hmm. And he, it was a time of graffiti. It was the early 80s. And he decided that he wouldn't do spray paint. I can't remember why he decided against spray paint, either because it was toxic or because he felt that's what the, the Harlem kids were doing and that he shouldn't rip off what they were doing. So he got chalk and used white chalk on these black and he went all over. I mean, some days he'd go to like 100, draw 150 of these drawings. But the other thing he did was very canny. He got Sen Kuang Chi, remember him, James? Yeah, yeah. The photographer to go around after him and photograph every single one. So no dummy here. I mean, he uses the city as his canvas, incredibly generous and sort of populist approach but also very savvy to make sure that he documented them all. And then now, was- hold on. When I first got to New York, and I'm sure you were, you got there a year before me, I believe, I was still seeing some of those chalk things around. Did you ever see the chalk ones in the subway? Not only that, but I was in Soho in, I think, 82, and I walked by the Tony Schifazzi Gallery, and I looked in, and it was like a Keith Haring exhibition. It was a Monday, the gallery was closed, but inside there was a camera crew taping an interview with this weird looking guy. And he stopped the interview, walked over to some posters, signed them, opened the door and gave them to me. Stop and it! That was Keith Herring. Now, do you still have those posters? Oh God, I want to say yes, but I don't think I do. No! <laughs> Let's start now. Search for those posters starting today on the Wow Report. Let's recover Fenton's Keith Haring's. But that's sort of like, well, in the Maplethorpe, where who was it who said that um, she, uh, Maplethorpe used to give? Was it Fran Leibowitz who always said that she got he he would give her like hundreds of them and she just threw them away because she didn't think they were anything? Right. I didn't throw them away. I loved them, but I think they got lost in a move. And but but here's the thing. I thought that was such a sweet, kind, and generous thing. To, look, I mean, he may have thought I was really hot. But I, ah, youth. Blake, yeah, but I don't think you were his type, Charlie. I don't know his type. Blake just messaged her that that your your hearings are probably in the Wow basement, which Blake unfortunately has an intimate knowledge with the amount of archive and mess that's down in the basement of the building. Well, right. If we see Blake suddenly driving around in a Rolls Royce because he auctioned them for a million dollars, I guess we'll know what happened. I uh, I have two. I Keith Herring to me. I'm not an, a great art aficionado, uh, but like. His, it's like caveman gay drawings. Like there's so much emotion in the simplicity of his lines. I immediately love his stuff. You know, I, 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 it's since the beginning of the 80s, I've known his work right throughout and I've always been attracted to it. I'll tell you because I'm tacky. I just, I'm redoing my place during lockdown and I've found a place where you can buy wall stencils that you can take on and off of Keith Haring work. So I'm going to do a few walls in my stairs with Keith Haring, like the heart guy. And I have, uh, I, there's so many things that I, 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 so many images of his that are indelible and, and provoke an emotional response in me. 
You know, I've been trying to um, get someone to, I have a little settee, a little French settee that's needle pointed and it's a really ugly needle point. And I've been trying to find someone who will needle point the radiant child for me, for my, for my little settee. Put it out there. But he also was a really important figure, I think, because he stood at that intersection in the 70s to be an artist and to sell stuff was very uncool. And he rode that wave of commodification that was very much the 80s spirit. And he was the sort of first one to, I mean, I suppose in a way, yes, he's white, but he was very on the side of people of color in a way that many other artists weren't. And he really took art off the streets and brought it into the galleries, but made it universally accessible to people and was so generous about it. And the pop shop, I just, this I did learn, never made any money. He always well, lost you know, it, the It's shop. interesting because he was also the first, he was high low in a way that hadn't really been done. Even Warhol wasn't able to do it in a way that he did it where he was on MTV and he was also in the galleries and he was also in high society, but he was also on this in a way that I think Warhol was probably jealous of. And that's why he scooped him up and made him uh, one of his superstars. In addition to his art, wasn't he out about his HIV? But that's the other thing, incredibly unapologetically openly gay. Again, at a time when a lot of the art world was in a closet as big as the Ritz. And his art was also very sort of frank and erotic. And when he got HIV, out with it immediately. So, and, and just kept working frenetically to the end. I mean, I, I, James, I had, I shed a few tears and uh, I, I, you know, I just think it's an amazing story of sweetness and generosity and interesting contrast to um, Matt Fury, who, you know, created Peppy the Frog and, and lost control of it. And it's been turned into this evil, nasty thing. Whereas Keith Haring's like iconography and imagery has managed to maintain its, the original spirit of its intentions. Yes. That's that. uh, Keith Haring's Street Art Boy coming to American Masters on PBS very soon. We'll take a quick break. Um, bring Back My Ghouls, which is a big Halloween special celebrating the Queens of Drag Race season 12, is uh, on today. Yeah. Launches on Wow Presents YouTube and Wow Presents Plus. Um, and it's basically a virtual fundraiser. So you can go on and you can tip your girls. It's really great. And it's sponsored by Tiny and um, Crooked Media's Vote Save America. All right. Bring back my ghouls. <laughs> uh, Blake, do you have a question? Yes, yes. I heard this on the radio the other day. What was the most expensive song ever used in a movie? Boy, you are a good, you're doing good today, Blake. You're stumping us. These are really good questions. We'll be right back with the answer after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. We had a question. Yeah, uh, I heard this trivia on the radio the other day. What is the most expensive song ever used in a movie? I really don't think you're going to get it. I was going to say, I will always love you, but that can't be it. Nope. Ghostbusters, because it was a ripoff of Huey Lewis's I Want a New Drug. No. (laughs) Something by the beat. An Elvis song, maybe, that was used? Or no? um, No, it was was Thunderstruck by ACDC. And it was used in the Varsity Blues movie in 1999, $500,000. Huh. Right? 
When? It seem like a lot. 1999. Huh. Yes. Hmm. I thought that was strange. I'm very excited about this next item that, um, as we count down the things that made us go, wow, it's number four. Take it away, Tom. Number four. Again, the warning, if you're just tuning in, I'm having a cranky week. I'm having an insane week. And, you know, there's all these, you know, you live long enough. And the, 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 the trends, they come and they go. The holidays now come and go. The seasons. Who thought of pumpkin spice when we were growing up? Nobody. Man Crush Monday. Okay, fine. YOLO. You know, la, la, la. The, the thing that, it, it's been around for a while, but I'm slow, is the idea that it is now gray sweatpants season. Well, you are not going to come on here and denigrate gray sweatpants. We love gray no. sweatpants. No, okay. I'm denigrating myself for not knowing trends. But I have noticed this year, and for the first time, in, 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 in massively on Instagram, everywhere, articles. I swear to God, Gail King's talking about it. I could be wrong. But it's, it's just the idea that in gray sweatpants, men and women, gays and straights, are talking about it's gray sweatpants season. And it boils down to, just to be technical, if there's children in the car, um, it's the ability to see one's a man's genitals slightly outlined by the fabrication of a green print, if you will, or bird watching, as we call it, among the gays. And I was going to throw it to James St. James because until I started working at a World of Wonder in 2006, it became a regular reader of the WOW Report, and you used to have an, a, a weekly or daily article called, was it bird watching? Yes. And uh-huh. I was looking for look the at the birdie, look at the birdie. And that's what you say when you're walking down the street and you see a bobbling piece of genitalia in gray sweatpants, but you don't want to call attention to it. So you say, oh, look at the bird, look at the bird. Oh, it's bird watching season. And that way you can, your gays know what you're talking about, but the gentleman in question has no idea he is being talked about. Good to know. So, so in, in this, Fenton, tell me everything about your gray sweat season. How's it going? Is there a, when does the season run to and from? Is it after Labor Day until Halloween? When the shoes go away, the gray sweatpants come out. Just well, rough. You know what? Because during the summer season, it's all about the silk basketball shorts. That <laughs> also does has the same effect. So there, it goes from silk basketball shorts to gray sweats is 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 the official like de, you know delineation. I think or it's something about the. The, the gray, the softness of the fabric, because I sometimes think like satin or silk is too specific and that this is just a, it's a casual flex or a hint of something, right? It's like a, a more, as much is left to the imagination yeah. as is. Everybody looks, a little bit of movement makes you feel like you have some volume down there. They know what they're doing, definitely. They Straight men know they are driving the gays crazy when they do it. They think it's a mating call for other women, for women, but it's not. It's the <laughs> men who are going bananas for it. I would like so to ask you. our two female listeners, is that true or not? Like, feedback on the, in the comments. Because what, what, when doing this extensive research, I don't know what you guys are doing all week, but I am researching my WOW reports. And, um, and, and they were just saying that it is true because sometimes people respond to this very show saying, how do these guys, usually they say old guys, how do they get away with um, objectifying men so much? <laughs> but we do it with love. It's, it's, not, it's, dirty, it's not a dirty thing. And, and the article I was reading about 
grade sweatsuit season, sweatpants season, is that we're, that the, the internet's made it all a little gamified and fun for us to look at different body parts and appreciate them. And then I refer back to the statue of David that I posed for many years ago. You know, it's just the body, people. It's part of my it's part of my uh, sex positive campaign that I will be taking across the country, starting Are Wednesday. You still underwear with gray sweatpants or not? No, no, no. no. <laughs> another another thing for the comments. Do you wear underwear with your gray sweatpants? Please let us know. Let us know. Okay, well, let's move on to number three. I have a feeling there's going to be a little bit of a link back because of what goes on in this next item. Number three, James. Number three. White had watched, um, you know, Borat to subsequent movie film. And I, you know, I'm not always a Borat fan. I'm not always a Sasha Barrett Cohen fan. I don't understand the humor sometimes. I don't get it. And everybody I know, I talk to and they say, oh, I'm watching it for the 10th time. Oh, it's just the funniest thing I've ever seen. And, and I, it's weird because sometimes to me, I grew up in Michigan in the 70s and there were a lot of Polish jokes. That was that was the the group of people that were were or made fun of and they were in everything and it always made me very uncomfortable and I didn't like it. And to me the Kazakhstan joke thing feels sort of mean-spirited sometimes. I don't know, but I understand that basically what he's doing is he is making fun of he's uh of um the way that the average American, uh, the casual bigotry of, of average Americans, and that that is prime prime to be you know uh, to to go for to 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 ex- blah, 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 blah. anyway. This movie, he does a number of really funny things. He has a daughter this time, played by Maria Bakalava. I think her name is. There's already talk potentially of Academy Award for her performance. Yes, she's very. She plays his 15 year old daughter, and she's very funny. And he is going across country to try and sell her to Mike Pence to um to so that Kazakhstan will have a better rating or something like that. And to that end, he goes and he's trying to buy a cage for her to live in. At one point, he is um trying to get her a boob job. He's at one point he t- goes to a um an abortion doctor, a doctor trying to get an abortion for her that he might have impregnated her. And everyone no, no, no. goes along but, with this. But just to, just to put in context, like they go to a bakery. Yes. Yeah. They, they're making fun of her because they're, they're talking about how horrible women are treated in that country and around the world. So he's buying a big chocolate cake to bring back to Cap because that's what the leader wants. And the daughter's like, please, can I have something? And she takes... Um, a, 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 a cupcake with a baby on it, like for like a shower, and she eats the baby. So the but they have to go out into the alley, and so to eat it, and then she has a baby inside of her. So they go to a Christian anti-abortion clinic where they're like, the baby's inside of her; it needs to come out. I feel bad because I put it there. I well, mean, oh yes, yes, yes. Layers of parody. I'm sorry. And then also, when they go to the baker, and it's one of those bakers who will not serve gays, but she will gleefully write. He says, "Will you write? Uh, Jews will not replace us on the bay on the cake." And she just she's like, right, 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 she squeezes it out. No problem, honey. We'll no problem, that. honey. And at one point, they go to a debutante ball in Macon, Georgia, and they 
break out into a fertility dance and all the debutantes and the, the gentlemen squires are like horrified. There's also- She has her moon visitor at the end. The 50 year old Kazakhstan girl has her moon visitor. So she menstruates during <laughs> adequate um, there was also, uh, let me see. It's mind-blowingly good. I'm, I love you and respect you, James. I, I received it fully because I actually cared about the characters. I thought there was a story uh, built in. Yeah. And, and there also are characters like the babysitter character who was very lovely, who was trying to empower. Oh, yes, yes. That, but there was also a, a, a thing with a Holocaust survivor that made me very uncomfortable. I didn't like that at all. Um, I get the humor and I enjoyed it. Um, uh, the whole thing with it all leads up to the Rudy Giuliani bit in the hotel room, which we have seen ad, ad infinitum ad nauseum at this point. And that is sort of the takeaway from the entire movie is the, you know, the uh, Giuliani with his hand down his pants. And it does take a long time to get there, but it is worth it. Yes. And that's why I thought it was a full circle moment in terms of the gray sweatpants, because he's tugging on his... Oh, there I go. There, oh, there yeah. it is. He said he was tucking, right? But I think he was tugging. And a tug is not a tuck. Yeah. Yes. It just speaks to how easy it is to infiltrate him and his circle and how... Yeah. I don't care what he was doing. I mean, I do care, but I don't, I don't think he was doing anything wildly untoward but it was just all bad judgment bad judgment and a sap and 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 he's a putin's puppet so all right. in, in conclusion i i loved it yes i did i always it, it's always a push me pull me with him but i ended up i i know i understand what it is that i'm seeing so thumbs up yes it's streaming on amazon prime check it out it's definitely a film worth watching more than once now number two number two the real life version of, of kind of crazy corrupt dictators and autocrats. Uh, it's a documentary called Assassins. It isn't out yet. It's coming out, I think, in December. But do you remember Kim Jong-un of North Korea assassinated his brother? Yes. yes. And this assassination took place in broad daylight at Kuala Lumpur Airport. And they assassinated him with um, VX nerve agent, which is... Uh, apparently the deadliest substance on earth. Well, there's a really fascinating backstory to this because it's a very straightforward documentary, but it tells the story of how they did it. And there's two lovely girls, um, unfortunate uh, city Asia and Duan Ti Hong, and they were um, enlisted um, by a mysterious Mr. Y, they were both, I think, in working in sex work in Kuala Lumpur. Um, they had left, one came from Vietnam, I forget where the other came from. And um, he came to them and offered them a job um, doing prank videos, because prank videos are very, very popular in Asia, like America's Funniest Home Videos. And the girls never really understood the pranks and, and didn't think they were that funny. But like, for example, they were like, um, they would have to go up and sneeze in people's faces, which I suppose has an extra piquancy right now but even even before covid i'm not sure that going up to someone and sneezing in their face is that funny but they did this and they would they would go around cities and towns and do these pranks and videos for that were then released online but then they started to being trained for a new prank and this new prank was you get hand cream and then you run up to people and smear it in their eyes again 
kind of like sneezing in people's faces. It doesn't seem that funny, but, you know, everybody has a different sense of humor. And they actually, Mr. Y got them to do this prank several times, kind of like a sort of dry run and practice before he gave them XY nerve agent in a cream on their hands and they went up to the app at the airport. They went up to the brother and smeared it in his eyes. What a story. You talk about how deadly it is. How, is it one of the most painful deaths? It sounds like a nerve agent sounds like it's probably going to be very painful. It is. It's, it's really, um, you have 15 minutes from when it makes contact to wash it off. And so the girls were told, you know, after they'd done this, not to touch her face, to, to go to the bathroom and wash her hands. And they did, and they were fine. And he knew something was up, having been smeared, knew he wasn't, you know, the idea of being in a prank video, he kind of realized that wasn't that, wasn't what was happening. But he went to the, you know, security, and they took him off to a room and basically lost precious time and basically just expired then and there. Um, it's an interesting story also because... King Jong-nam, it was actually the firstborn son, and he was the uh, heir presumptive, if you will, to North Korea. But in 2001, he made a big mistake. He took his kids to Disneyland in Japan, and he traveled under an alias. Uh, I think he had a, a Korean passport. I can't remember. He had a fake passport, and he went as Pang Zong, which translates as fat bear. Anyway, he was caught going to Disneyland with his kids, which was not a cool thing to do. So he had to be exiled to Macau. And he wasn't into being a dictator. He wasn't, he was like, fine, I'll go and live my life quietly in Macau. Um, and so after that, Kim Jong-un became the uh, presumptive and created this plot to have him assassinated. But it's a, it's a terribly sad, shocking story. Um, there you go. A takeaway from this, just for our viewers, to the proper way to apply an under eye cream is to apply it to your weakest finger, your ring finger, and gently pat up from the center of the eye, closest to the nose, and up. Do not smear it with poison. And don't get it in your eyes, Boom. whether it's poison or not. Boom. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing that made us go wow this week. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James St. James. We have reached the number one thing that made us go wow this week, Tom. Number one. Well, if you're listening to the show by the, at this point, you're probably a Democrat. So we encourage you, if you haven't already, to vote, 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 vote. Save our democracy. I just, you know... Next week, when the show airs, next week when we are together, we will, God willing, know who the next president for the next four years is. Possibly, possibly, it might go on for another month. That's what I'm saying, God willing. So yeah. in, if that's the case, I just want to take us back four years ago to this week. Um, when, where were you and what was it like when you found out that Hillary had lost and that Donald Trump was elected. James, you start. I remember it well. I was at World of Wonder and we had gone out with a camera onto the street to do a video celebrating Hillary's win. 
And we were out there talking to everybody about how great it was that Hillary had won, blah, 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 thinking that we would piece it all together and put it up after we found out about Hillary winning. And I went back into the office and we had a television in my cubicle that was watching the results. And I remember Rue walked out of the, it was walking out of of a meeting and I said, happy Hillary day. And she was like, happy Hillary day. And we were all happy. And then all of a sudden I saw Florida was going Trump. And I know well enough that when Florida goes Trump, that's it. That's game over. And I said, you got, I ran out and I said, I said, Florida just went Trump. And everyone said, no, it did not. And Tom Wolf was furious and he was angry and he said it's not happening this is not happening and he stormed out of the building he was so mad i remember randy came out with tears in his eyes as he realized what was happening and i just remember just that sinking feeling of then pennsylvania went and then michigan went and then you saw every uh, everybody else toppling in line and it was just (gasps) fenton where were you I was uh, leaving on a red eye, so it was it was a, like touch and go um, when the when the plane took off, and then I, I think about halfway through the flight, I woke up and it was like I just looked through my bleary eyes and it said Trump wins, and I was like this this must be a nightmare, and I went back to sleep. I just didn't believe it. I thought they must have got it wrong, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't until I got to the hotel, the, the newspaper, New York Times said Trump, uh, uh, and. Oh my God, what a depressing day that was. It was just so awful. Were you in New York? I was in New York alone and just sort of weeping, you know? Um, and I think in the office, it was pretty grim too, right? I think people were just- Oh, the, the next day, yeah, I mean, it was it was very hard. It was, um, do you remember the feeling on the street? I remember going to a grocery store in the bank and just everyone was silent and just walking around like zombies. It was like, it was a bit like what after 9-11 where the yeah. whole city was just trying to comprehend what had happened. My experience was a combination of yours because I don't remember why, but I was going to New York too, but- Unlike uh, Fearless Fenton, who takes red eyes like it's, you know, a drink of water, I flew the next morning. So I was in the office. I remember Rue being there for something. I remember having my I Just Voted sticker on. And I remember saying, you were probably in the, in the conversation, just saying, you know, up until this point, I never understood how, um, this is when we still thought Hillary was winning, but it was a real close one. I said, up until this point, I didn't understand how Hitler could come into how this angry, screaming man who I always saw in news clips and things could have had such power. I said, now I understand thinking we had just eked out of that situation. I went to bed that night. It wasn't official. I went to bed kind of early. I woke up at four or five in the morning to catch my early flight. There was the news, but I was like silent at home, silent in the car, silent on the plane, silent in the car coming in silent. And you know, it was this, this, like almost, you know, very odd for me to be silent, even alone. Uh, but just, yeah, I, I think the entire country, most of the, co- you know, the the blue part of the country at least was silent like that, and everybody was just trying to wrap their heads around the new, the new, new the new uh, normal. And I, I say, you know, it could happen again. Um, I, I choose to have hope because we can. I'm not taking it for granted. Again, if you haven't voted, please vote. If you're a Republican. You can sit this one out. Next, the next four years is your election. Take it. This one's ours. Next one's yours. Um, and uh, and uh, God willing, if not, and my bad joke is that it's all become Hogan's heroes. We're going to be the resistance. We're going to have to create tunnels under our bunk beds and escape the Gestapo as they come for us. 
on that happy note. <laughs> well, thank you for listening and good luck, everyone. Um, thanks for tuning in to the Wow Report. Thank you, Tom and James. Um, until same time, same place next week, we hope, right? We hope. Yeah. We'll until, definitely be here either way. Until then, whatever you do, go out, vote, wear a mask, and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow.